Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Changes podcast. I'm your host and chief evangelist for Postman, Ken Lane. With Breaking Changes, we explore the world of APIs through the lens of business and engineering leadership. Joining me today, we have Deepa Goyo, product manager at PayPal. Deepa's consumer-driven view of the API lifecycle, the maturity of our APIs, and her approach to analytics in service of product management, I found very educational. Who are you and, and what do you do? I'm Deepa, and I'm currently product manager for API experiences at PayPal. My background is actually, I started my career, uh, you know, I studied computer science engineering, and I went into data engineering. I was, during engineering, I discovered that I was very passionate about data. So I very consciously shaped most of my career in the data space, from data engineering to analytics, and then eventually data science. Once I started doing data science and partnering with product managers to build more using data, building products, eventually I decided to transition into product management. And I was working at a fintech startup at the time, and data is a very core part of products in fintech. So it was a very nice, smooth transition for me. And I was actually attending coding conferences with my developers just out of curiosity. And that's how I got interested in APIs. And I discovered how APIs got developers really excited. And I started looking into it and playing around with them. And eventually I joined Twilio, uh, where I got to work on APIs uh, as a product manager. Uh, And to now, where I'm shaping PayPal's API experiences and looking into how we can make them better. Wow, that's uh, quite a journey. I, I mean, and to go straight to Twilio from from the uh, your previous work, I think. I mean, you can't think of a better API to go join. I think, in my opinion, I mean, as far as to learn how things are, because they're one of the. I mean, they're one of the gods, the API gods. I would say, as far as doing APIs in the in the mind of a developer. It's it's one of the most useful, innovative. Jeff Lawson's as a, as a CEO and a leader, I always thought it's just a it's a great company, and everyone I've ever known that worked there um, enjoys APIs and gets APIs. So Twilio has always been such a thought leader, and they have so much participation in the developer community. I think it was really interesting to kind of learn how they do it and how they think about it. So I got to learn a lot from that experience. It was. They're very innovative about their approach towards shaping APIs as products. I just was talking to you about some other issues. We've been working, partnering and, and working on PayPal and Postman related stuff. And then I just kind of fell into your journey and how you got here, but the depth of your experience. And I was fascinated by how you kind of learned, not learned about APIs because you were working with them in the fintech, but like how you, you just immersed yourself in in the world of APIs and, and APIs as a product and all of these concepts. But you had an interesting story about how you got here and kind of the, the lack of information that, that was available to you. So, so can you, can you recap for us? Like, where did you go to get all your knowledge and information? I mean, was it at Twilio or was there other places that you went, went to get it? So, yeah, absolutely. There was, I think even at Twilio when I, when I joined there, I think there was so much information I wish I had. Before I joined, there's just, I realized that there isn't much information or learning material around how to think about APIs as products. 
there is a lot of fun projects and I used to play around with them to do little things, build little bots, little applications. Every, nearly all the content is geared towards engineers on how to build APIs, the technical side of it, how to scale them, how to make them more robust and scalable. But things like, how do you monetize an API? It's just not really there. Is there any standards to monetizing APIs? And a lot of times I think when big, large enterprises are using other large enterprise APIs to build products, only they know, uh, you know how, the, how the bills are getting paid. It's not something mm -hmm. that's openly available to just somebody trying to learn about, about APIs and like, how does Twilio make money exactly? How did they figure out how to make money from APIs? And all these other companies, they're so innovative. There's so, such a variety of APIs, but there just wasn't information on how they shape the pricing strategies or how they, how do you start to define an MVP for an API product, for example? <laughs> so as a product manager, I really did not have any reference. So I was leaning heavily on, on mentors in the industry and just really just asking people, uh, you know, look, looking for insights from developers uh, and trying to understand how if they were to build an API from scratch, how would they go about it, about thinking about it. And a lot of times just asking them to try out an API and share feedback. So that was my way of figuring out a little bit of user research and a little bit of just ad hoc analysis. <laughs> We, we focus on the consumption of APIs pretty heavily and how to build on APIs and, and, and that world of developers. And then there's quite a bit of information about producing APIs from vendors, though, and, and, and telling you how you should be doing APIs. And then there's Gartner and analysts. And then I would say there's a handful of us, and I include myself in this bucket, is uh, we're kind of the pundits or the analysts. And we write books and we, we talk about how you should do APIs. And this is, this actually, this is why it struck me at my core is this is why I'm at Postman is because I was an API pundit or personality for a decade and told lots of stories about doing APIs where I mentioned, Hey, you should do APIs as a product a lot, but I never tell you how to do it or I never give you the, the instructions on how to do it. And so this is very much why I'm at Postman is, is I want to start showing and demonstrating how you do things. But I, I found it fascinating that your, your point that there's not a lot of books on, on APIs as a product, but there's not a lot of just really foundational information for people to start product managers to start their careers. Exactly. And lately I have been spending a lot of time thinking about what is API experience and what are the key components? Like, for example, developers are now used to seeing an API status page when they are using APIs of some company, but there is, isn't really a book that says that must publish an API status page. <laughs> yeah. So as a product Agreed. manager, when I'm thinking about what are the fundamental pieces that developers expect there to be? What do these pieces do for them? What is the value that is delivered? 
And of course, going into how do I measure it? That's where I spend most of my time uh, thinking about. So you mentioned analytics just a little bit in there. And so there's a lot of talk around API management and, and, and having analytics at the API management layer that you should you should measure how people are consuming APIs because this this helps you drive your roadmap, drive your features, drive drive what you're going to be adding into the API based upon how people are using it. But we really, beyond just like what APIs people are using and errors, there's not a lot of guidance on uh, what else I should be thinking about. I mean, yes, up, down, errors, but as a product manager, what do I need to know at that layer? What type of analytics are going to be critical to, to my success as a product manager? Absolutely. And I, I think of analytics in a couple of different dimensions because at different stages of the product maturity, there's different metrics that matter. At different stages of the customer journey, there's different metrics that matter. So it's a, it's a pretty multidimensional aspect of developing products. So for example, there is a, a pretty big piece of discovery for APIs, how do, how do developers find out about an API? And there's so many different ways that they can discover an API. And the same way that in marketing, we have advertising channels, marketing channels, did, they, did a customer discover it through Instagram or through Facebook and mar marketing experts would spend so much time optimizing that budget. The same way in APIs, there is there are a couple of different steps. There's a couple of different channels. Like developers can come to know about an API through some blog, through a YouTube channel, through our documentation. I think of those things as the same way somebody would think of, of marketing channels. And those are, in terms of developer journey, that's when developers kind of learning about it, trying to figure out if this API would be valuable to them. And there is, of course, a lot of different ways that people can learn things. So there's also this aspect of how people learn because not everybody just reads a long docs page to learn. People, <laughs> Some people prefer to learn from an audiobook. Some people prefer to learn from a video, which some people mm -hmm. like those infographic videos. It's just such a vast variety of, of ways people learn. So combining that with channels and then as a product manager, I'm trying to understand my customer base developers. What do they like? What serves them best? That's an important distinction because it's not just, it's me as a product manager understanding how people discover, find things, what matters to them, what's important and kind of the, I don't know, the, the frequency or the, the way their brain works, what's going to, you know, how they're going to, to want to understand, do they want to play with it? Seeing sample applications, seeing a live stream, seeing, reading the blog, watching videos. Based upon that, that's a wealth of data about who they are and what they're going to want as far as the capabilities of the API. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, now how do I get how do I gather that? You know, I, I'm I'm putting you know I'm creating this experience. I'm putting out these these aspects of that experience, and then I'm measuring as that comes in. Do I 
weave that into my feedback loop with these users? Like how, how, what else do I do to, to measure and understand what's going on at this layer so that I can um, build the best AP, next version of the API for them? So from measuring perspective, I think there is a lot of the discovery metrics that we kind of think, think of in terms of like time to first hello world is probably like the, the best mm-hmm. starting point. The time between somebody creates uh, their account and gets their API keys to making their first API call is mm-hmm. like a great way to measure. We can get information around how many people are essentially viewing our documentation of that, what percentage are actually ending up in their first API calls and try to to measure various aspects of various pages that are performing better or various pages that are driving more traffic. So I also broke that down a little bit in terms of like from an analytics standpoint, I think there is all this metrics that we can build around just the documentation and how that impacts discovery and all this other metrics that we measure in terms of the API usage itself, because after the discovery, the conversion is essentially the first API call. You have discovered the API, you may have come from a YouTube video or you've come from a blog or you've seen the documentation, you made the first API call. And then it's the next step in the user journey where you're scaling your usage. And that has sort of its own set of things like does a customer go from one API call to 500 in a day or a week or a month? Like how how long does it take for customers who scale to scale? And what are the pain points that take them longer when, when it does? So there's a whole set of things that we can discover just measuring those times of time to scale. And does this apply similarly to... In- I mean, you, you said it's multidimensional. So does it apply internally as well as public APIs? Because if I've got, or beta APIs, like if I'm just put the maturity, you talked about that. If I put out a beta yeah. API, am I going to measure it in the same ways or am I going to have a different set of, or are those, those data points going to mean different things? I think the data points might mean the same thing, but I think what, what differentiates like beta API versus a GA API. Uh, and I can talk about that terminology a little bit more, I think is really the customer expectation. And it's really interesting. I, I, was, I was really thinking about what defines a beta API versus a general availability API. How do we make that distinction? And I kind of look look to the documentation of a lot of different companies. Uh, of course, I, I'm more familiar with Twilio, uh, having worked there, but also looked at things like Okta, Shopify, uh, Microsoft. And I really noticed that there isn't a very standard terminology around what is a beta API, what is a GA API. It's really every company kind of defines their own. That really stood out to me, but I think in general, at a high level, what everybody's trying to do is set customer expectations in terms of, as a customer, if I'm using beta API, then I'm building a dependency on a product that may not be mature, that might undergo mm-hmm. changes. So it's really a business decision that do I really trust using a product that might change, might break my application. And 
Another interesting thing I've seen is the difference in SLAs. A lot of times these API companies would actually lay out clearly that if uh, the, the, the different SLAs that they define for a beta product versus a general availability product. So I think there is, the maturity label is really driving transparency and trust for the end customer trying to build applications using these APIs. Uh, so from a product perspective, if I'm managing a beta product, then to some degree, I know what customers expect, that it is not completely a mature product. From a product standpoint, I might be engaging more with those customers, getting more uh, interaction and more one-to-one inputs from them as I shape the product into a general availability product. Uh, and if I'm product managing a general availability product, I can expect that the customers expect a very high bar for quality. And they also expect that the API shouldn't change in a way that it breaks their application. So I think the expectations changes at every level of maturity of APIs. Do you feel that there should be a standardized vocabulary for how we describe uh, like what is GA and what is beta and, and like how that applies to each API, parameter, path, pricing, SLA? Is there like a, is there a standard framework we should be considering there? I think it would be really helpful in quite a few different ways. I think it would be great, for example, to get more product managers to be able to enter API product management space, it's definitely going to, uh, if we had this kind of standardized uh, vocabulary that can be shared with new entrants and APIs in general, I think it would be it would be helpful. Also for engineers, I think it might potentially make some kind of standardization might help them take that knowledge across as they use a variety of APIs because a lot of time developers are using a lot of different APIs. So having to learn each API's own standard, it might actually help to have a standardized definition. Yeah, so answer is yes, absolutely. Interesting. So I'm part of a working group that is working on an SLA standard for the open API specification. So how do you describe for an API, you have this API that has this path, these parameters, this request and response, and you can get post put. It's got you know a handful of methods. Now, what's our pricing? What are we charging for that? What's our uptime uh, promise of, of, of threshold performance as well as overall availability? How do and then what's our what's the standard for monitoring that status page you talked about? And then how do we reconcile that? And then do we give you a discount? Do we and so it seems like I haven't seen anything that says, here's what GA is, here's what beta is, that maybe we could add a property to the top of the open API specification that would, would say, here's beta, here's this API, here's, here's, it's not just the version of the API, because we have a place to put the version, but if we had a place right. to maturity and then say it's GA beta or, you know, um, alpha, you know, but come up and then, that would set, then you go, okay, here's the configuration for the SLA. Here's the configuration for the monitoring and uptime. And it would adjust that for you. Yeah, very interesting. And even yeah, considered that. I think, and I think, I think standardizing it across the life cycle of the API in terms of, you know, if how mature it is and 
just overall, I think it it would really help to kind of evolve the API space. I think uh, we have reached a point where there are enough companies and people who are aware of APIs that I think it's a, it's the right time to to arrive at the at this uh, standard. Yeah, and I mean, I've actually encountered several conversations lately about. How do we train? How do we define the the product manager, the API product manager role, and how do we we onboard them and give them, equip them with as as much knowledge and information and enablement, not just like here's go read all of this these books or anything, but like how do we give them specifications and standards to work with, and and in their job as well as the tooling, the API management, Postman, different things that they can use, and so this is very much trying to stabilize that world so we can scale it. We need more product managers. We need more API product managers and competent ones. There's there's definitely a shortage. So that's what really stood out when I was talking to you the other day and, and kind of triggered this conversation is is your view of, hey, there's not enough knowledge on well, what is API as a product? How do you do this? Let alone all the way to standards and specifications that would help with this and 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 help help us figure it out from the and but you also talked about the trust. It's going to increase the trust and the confidence of the product manager, but it's going to create trust with the consumers as well. If they're able, if they know if those expectations are set, should it? Do you think it also should govern like how we communicate or how like support tickets and and that feedback loop as well between producer and consumer? Absolutely. I was I was just going to say that that it should really. Uh, drive how a product is supported because a beta beta API may not need the same level of support as a, a general availability API. So from a product manager standpoint, I do actually monitor how many tickets we're getting at any point on a weekly basis. And I think the expectation is that at some point your product is mature enough that people are not running into foundational issues uh, like getting set up. Uh, or things like that. And I think supportability of APIs definitely should be tied into the maturity uh, of the APIs. And as it matures, it's it's a great way to measure how, it, it's actually a great way to measure how mature an API is. If a lot of people are just able to self-serve, get started without any help. Yeah, and that time to first call that, like, I think a lot of uh, product managers or the, the developers building can say, oh, we're not adding any more features or it's it's reached a maturity level based upon our gut feeling. But this is actually saying, hey, let's actually have measure and actually quantify well, how mature it is based upon the 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 number of error tickets, the you know, how many people can self-serve and actually get on board. And not just one track like documentation, like you said, they should be able to come from different directions and be able to onboard with an API without any help and then activate and then start increasing the number of calls, but then also activate across API. So the number of APIs they're using and the maturity of that as well. Another interesting metric that that is very useful is actually not just time to first API call, but first time to first transaction. And transaction, for example, in a, in a FinTech could be the first actual money movement. Uh, mm -hmm. That might take a few calls for a customer to get to. But that's really success when they have made their first payment, and could be different things for different APIs, of course. But like first transaction, 
is is very valuable. The other thing that that is that I find very useful is number of API calls for every transaction. How many API calls does it take to make a successful transaction? Because that yes, really yeah. helps me understand if our API is like too complicated and maybe we can yeah. optimize it. That's funny. That reminds me of 2012, I think it was. It was at a Mashery API conference. So Mashery is an API management provider. That's, I think, Tibco now owns them. And um, they used to have the Billionaires Club, is what they called it. The the number of APIs that have over a billion API calls. And and then my friend Daniel from Netflix at the time, he's now at New York Times, he came and said, and they opened up and said, hey, one of the billionaires club is Netflix. They're our customers and they're, you know, they're in the billionaires club. And Daniel said, why do we want to be in the billionaires club? We don't want chatty APIs. We don't want, make, you know, we want meaningful volume. If it's meaningful, billions of APIs calls. But you're also, you're with this club, you're kind of incentivizing me to, and my developers to make chatty APIs. And so what you're talking about is it's actually... Being able yeah. to see that and and measure the meaning of of those API of, of that value being generated. Absolutely, I mean that way the billion is essentially a vanity metric, and yeah. how do we get out of that to see if we are actually delivering customer value? And of course, like you said, the incentives. So how do I incentivize API developers to care about business metrics? They care about the thing, the pain points they have as far as. What they need, they need, it's got, the API has to be up. It's got to be performant. Those, those very technical details. How do we get development teams? How do we incentivize them to care about business metrics? I think that's where API as products are very different from all other products. It's because what I've seen is because APIs are used by developers, developers are actually quite engaged and passionate about how the API is evolving and how it's being used. So most, in, in my experience, I think developers have been very active partners to, to me as a product manager to actually shape the, the experience. And uh, I think definitely that, that's the aspect of API products that is very different from all other products out there. Yeah. They already have opinions. Yeah. And I would say they have opinions and they're probably not being tapped properly and understood properly because you have to kind of drag things out of developers a lot of times. If, if, if like you don't ask, you're probably, they're probably not going to volunteer it. And so it takes a confident product manager and someone who's aware to be able to, to, to start talking about API operations at the business level and establish what those metrics should be. And then developers are going to care. And and they'll they'll think about them. They'll contribute to them. They're just not being um, they're not being engaged as part of the process. They're just ex expected to deliver the API and keep it up. And and from an operational standpoint, exactly. It's like people are not asking the developers for uh, for their their inputs. I think there's also an aspect of when when I present some of the metrics I'm following from a product standpoint to developers to my developers, they inevitably ask me what that means and why it's important. And that's a great way to start thinking about how the work that they are doing is having a business impact. And from there, working into 
how do we improve these metrics? Because this is why it matters. Yeah, yeah I'm always fascinated by the the classic IT and business divide, you know, that has I think has been around for a long time. I mean, I have a 30-year career and, and this divide has always existed. And I think if you talk to business folks, this divide exists because of IT and technical folks and developers saying, oh, stay away. This is tech, this is wizardry. You don't need to understand this. And then developers are saying, you know, the business folks don't come over here and, and engage with us. And I think there's various reasons for why that exists, but it feels like, I mean, that's what we need that balance in the API spaces. We need product managers, more business domain experts um, involved in, in the design process and, and, and developing these products. But we, we have to have developers there and we don't need just developers just to develop. We need them to understand the business implement and have a feedback, be part of that feedback, add, add, you know, be part of what we measure and have a stake in that. They don't need to be ignorant of it. And so I think that's, that's the process that I think you outline here is, is it, it's a process for all stakeholders that are involved. Absolutely. I really like the fact that you brought up domain knowledge. Because one of the things that I have seen, of course, you know, the, the bigger aspect of how in the, the divide between IT and, and business, but there is also this aspect specifically in the API space where if as a developer, I'm trying to work with a fintech API, a business person would assume that I know what disputes mean, or I know what invoices mean, or if I'm working with any marketing or or any other domain specific APIs, most of the business people creating those products kind of assume that I know those domain terminologies that the APIs were designed around. So one of the things that we're trying to do at PayPal actually is trying to create some kind of payments 101 that is geared towards developers so that they don't have to feel like they don't have the domain expertise because a lot of times developers are are individuals. They're you know I've seen a lot of times these are like CEOs bootstrapping their their application or these are developers who had an idea and they're building an application. So it's not always one or the other. How do we kind of give them the domain expertise or at least the the key terms for them to get started? And it actually does help them get started with with APIs. So I think. There's a lot of opportunity to bridge the gap. And I don't think we, you know, any of the, both developers can learn a little bit of domain knowledge and business people can try to learn a little bit about technology. I often end up, you know, kind of just being very honest. And I tell my developers, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> and I think we we all just have to have those conversations. Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, it's so important. It's how we're going to fix all of this. Most of the API illness and, and because APIs drive so many applications, there's, um, there's a lot of illness behind the applications they power. And most of these are because of this divide and this lack of communication. And, and honestly, the lack of stake business stakeholders involved in the process and the really the, the last five years that have gotten me the most excited about APIs is because of open API being available in YAML, more, more tooling out there to make, to allow non-developers to get involved in the API lifecycle that I'm seeing more, more folks uh, involved in the conversation. And I'm seeing more 
diverse folks. It's not just your usual class of developers involved in the conversation. And I think those voices, having a lot of different voices, domain experts, but also business, other um, involved in the conversation is important. And that, I think, levels the playing field a little bit and helps us deliver more meaningful, more purposeful APIs, less waste, and we're able to move forward faster and and the world's just a better place if we all work together to do this. So I was a little, I, I feel now I'm looking around everywhere, like where are we missing information on to get people up to speed on, you know, being an API product manager? Like, is there a career path like to become a product manager for an API? Like, I mean, how if you had to explain how to get here to someone else, how would you explain how them how they should onboard with the role? I think that it's it shouldn't be a barrier to entry to like you have to have to be a developer to be an API product manager. I think a lot of a lot of people who don't have developer background, I think, can also make it as API product managers. I think everybody should really lean on their their strengths. So if somebody has a good domain expertise, uh, for example, if somebody had a great knowledge of marketing, then they just have to learn a little bit about APIs and they might make a great API product manager for a marketing API. So I think just fill in the gaps and nobody knows everything. So we always keep learning. So I think learning mindset combined with knowing your strengths and weaknesses and trying to work on those weaknesses to uh, to grow. I think anybody can, can be a, a product manager or an API product manager. One of the interviews I did last week um, was someone who, who started out as a, a technical writer, and they were kind of the front line of problems with the design of the API trickling downstream. And they had to like, they were affected and customers and, and users were, were hitting them. And then they ended up had the opportunity to become product manager and jump in and change things and make them better. And they took the opportunity. So I think I, I think I want to spend a lot more time illuminating these these paths for people to 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 find their way and realize. And I appreciate you saying you don't have to be a developer because I think that's that's really important. I think, like like we said, it's not just um, we need more business users involved in lifecycle. We need more business users owning the product and defining the product and shaping the process and and then shaping the knowledge we put out there. So. Um, how how do you how do you get your knowledge and information from the space? What do you do? I mean, you, you you touched on it a little bit. You read books about APIs that that clearly don't have enough on APIs as a product in them. But what else do you do? What other practices do you use to gather information and, and knowledge? I think YouTube is a great platform. I I watch videos on APIs. I constantly search search for things and also search the same things over and over. A lot of times, there's new content coming up over time. So if, if I search for something three months ago, it's actually possible that somebody made something about it more recently. So a lot of times I, I search for the same things over and over on different platforms. So when I was looking into it, the maturity, I kept looking for it. And every few weeks I go back and I search again. It's like, is there anything new? I also follow a lot of people on Twitter, uh, try to spend at least a few minutes on Twitter every day. That's why I have a more API and developer-focused Twitter handle. And that's the information I'm looking for, is just see how the developer community 
is is talking about APIs or any kind of knowledge. Like a lot of times I'm learning about cool projects people are doing, not necessarily dependent on APIs. So I think YouTube, I also spend some time on Udemy occasionally. I really like Udemy and books and Twitter. I think those are my my platforms. I like it. I like it. I would say it, it reflects mine. I would say except for the videos, I'm not as... I produce a lot of videos. Maybe that's part of my problem. I don't consume as much as I, I should. And if it is, it's usually a shorter, shorter video that I, I don't have a lot of time in my day and I wish I had more time. What's the, what's the ideal length video for you to be able to watch it? Does it matter if it's based upon the content or? No, I think there's definitely an ideal length. I think depending on the information, I think anywhere from three minutes to 20 minutes, I think 20 minutes is the ceiling for me, uh, especially yeah. just because videos that are very dense in information, I think at 20 minutes, because it is a one-sided communication, 20 minutes tends to be the ceiling. At 20 minutes, you kind of lose attention. So I just, I try to, even even if there is a longer video, I watch it in pieces. And so, so I agree. That's a, that's a nice, sweet Especially spot. Especially with I would TikTok, say. you know, the, the, the statistics that we are seeing with TikTok, because the length, the length of video that people can have attention for is reducing day by day. On, on TikTok, mm -hmm. the ideal length of a video is actually seven seconds, which is so short. <laughs> And it, it's kind of interesting to see how uh, I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, there's so much technology and coding people actually teach on TikTok. And I've been thinking about like, if I were to explain my PayPal APIs on a TikTok video, can I actually do that in one minute? I don't have an answer yet. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's something that we have to think about because like going back to what I said around how people learn, if we want people to learn about our product, we have to understand how they learn so that we can present that information in a format that is that is that works for them. Agreed. And I my one of my missions at Postman right now with my team is do everything we do has got to be demonstrable and hands-on, something you can do. And I have what's called I call API blueprints. So I distill a lot of different learnings down into these these seemingly short text they're text so it's like a, a one page outline how do you do uh, api testing how do you do uh, api documentation just a one sheet on it and i shared it with someone uh from my sales team and she was looking through it so i have like 40 or 50 of these blueprints and she's all these are great like the information the content's nice and dense so i need each one as a as a 60 second video <laughs> and i was like Oh, okay. Yeah, I will get to work on that. Cause, and she's in LinkedIn. She's like, all, everybody I'm targeting, they're, they don't, you know, what you, your content's great. It's great to read. Uh, you know, 2% will read it. The rest just want a 60 second video. Here's the concept. Give it to me. All right. Let me go on my way. And so I, I kind of, I want, I want to check back in with you on what your, your overall developer experience toolbox looks like down to a 30 or 60 second video is it possible yes yeah, so there's a there's a few different ways that i'm i have thought about it because i've been thinking about how to how to have some standard checklist of building a great api experience and one of the things i was thinking about was like what if what if every every page 
for an API had like a small video that kind of runs with the documentation. Like maybe a, a short, you cannot make a short video about all of the APIs, but you could potentially make 30 second videos for each endpoint, potentially. Could you do it for each parameter and header too, for an endpoint so that I can understand <laughs> what the headers are for? <laughs> that might be overkill. But the reason I've been thinking about it is actually I was I was looking into, I'm very curious about how much text there is in the API space, like documentations are just like, they're so vast. And I was really curious about how many people have reading disabilities and are there developers who have reading disabilities? How do they learn APIs? Because everything is just text. I really appreciate you talking through this with me. I look forward to your your work on maturity and analytics and, and, and that cracking open of it. I mean, the overall product manager stuff, I think it needs to be addressed that there's a lot of great stuff there, but you're cracking open of maturity and analytics and that, that multi-dimension that, that exists there. And I think is, is worth exploring more. So please, if you publish anything else, share anything else, um, share it with me. I would love to share it with the audience and do some storytelling around it. But then some of these other areas, this is going to be a full episode. But we have these TLDR episodes, which are the short little content pieces. And there's a couple other areas I would like to revisit with you there. So we'll definitely be in touch. So thank you for being with me. I really appreciate your time today and coming. Absolutely. This was really fun. I think we got to talk about a lot of various different things. So I'm really glad we could look at such a variety of different topics. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Deepa for stopping by. For more on Deepa, you can find her on Twitter at one sprint at a time or on LinkedIn, but you can also visit developer.paypal.com. You can subscribe to the Breaking Changes podcast on postman.com slash events slash breaking dash changes. I'm your host, Ken Lane, and until next time, cheers. <laughs>